Hooga chaka, hooga, hooga, hooga chaka, hooga, hooga. I can't stop this feeling. It's the review a new podcast. That's right, folks. Girl, you just don't realize you can't blue ball me with this song. You can't blue ball me with that song. No, but I will say that is easily the best part of this movie is the soundtrack. The soundtrack is so killer. You know what we're doing. Yeah, come on, son. Thank you so much to Arthur Botley for your request and if you'd like to make a request head on over to ko-fi.com slash rap critic and today we are reviewing guardians of the galaxy uh, volume one volume one uh, awesome mix volume one that's right directed by james gunn uh, i had to put that in there just because it rhymed um but yeah let's get into this freaking movie oh my god just the soundtrack yeah just the very first song is like one of those songs where it's like I don't know this song, but this song just feels so good. Like mm-hmm. just starting Wait, it off and just like, ooh, that, you get like the, the very fir- first, the first song, song that you hear. Is the first not song the is- come and get your love. Like when he's in the um when he's sad and listening to the music by himself. Oh, the like I'm not in is it the I'm not what in song love? Is that or, one? I think I, it was very chill and low key. I feel like the, I'm not in love. I think so, yeah. Cause it re- I think it reminded it kept reminding me back. of um yeah, it kept reminding me of uh the Daft Punk song, the uh the very disquo, the very low key, oh, or is it that one? It's the one, the do 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 do. It's there's a very chill, Daft Punk fans will know what I'm talking about when I say there's a very chill low key song on the Daft Punk Discovery album that like has that very low key feel to it. Where I was like, my brain was going like, is that da-? no? This sounds like the song that Daft Punk was inspired by. It very clearly sounds like that. But I was like, I couldn't call what it was. But it just starting off, just like. Ooh, I don't even know what that is, but you already had a very good flick right there. You know what I mean? So I was like, okay, we're we're in good hands going into this movie. Now, um, I will say, like, I had some like, you know, like you watch a movie once and then you watch it later, and it's like, like when you're watching it the very first time and it's just hitting you and you mm-hmm. have a certain feel about it. And then I came back to it like just this time recently. And by the way, this is, movie was from 2014, so it's been like nine years. Yeah, like yeah, I I watched this movie on an American military base mm. in Italy uh, before my son was born. so I, And he's he's eight now, so I was like, yeah, it's mm. this, this movie is old. Yeah, and I want to <laughs> say this much. Like, some of the graphics, I can kind of, like, have that moment of, like, oh, I kind of feel like I can see this on a YouTube video with this sort of graphic. You know what I mean? Like, I feel like, but that's just kind of like a commentary on how fast, like, you know, like technology. Yeah, stuff can catch up, I, you know? I wasn't. I wasn't put off by the graphics. Just, just later on in the I, movie when it was like the bigger battle yeah. at certain keyboards, it kind of felt like, oh, that does that feels more accessible than it feels breathtaking. Whereas at other points, it felt like purely breathtaking. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. There were a certain points I, where it felt like, was this fully rendered think, or yeah, is I, my eye just kind of used to this? You I know? think like, for me, the weirdest point was because when I saw it, I saw it in theaters when it came out. And I was and and at that time, it felt because I think that was before any of the Thor movies, right? No, the first one had to have come out by then because it was this 2014. It, uh, okay, it was the, Dark well, World. I think maybe I never saw the. I I, I never okay. saw Dark World. Yeah. Okay, I never saw. I will. I'll put it this way. It was the first Marvel 2013, movie. 2013, so it was like the year right before it. Yeah. Okay. Well, I'll put it this way. So I hadn't seen seen the Thor movie, and I, this was the first Marvel movie that I had seen that was like mm. this kind of tone. That it was kind of funny and like exciting and pop culturey. And right, so, lighthearted. Um, the J.J. Abrams formula. You could t- no, not J.J. Abrams. Uh, uh, Joss Whedon. You know. Yeah. The, oh, we're gonna be quippy. But here's my thing. As I watch this movie, I'm like, I love James Gunn doing this version of irreverent. You know, yeah, I mean, thing. so much better. So much better. But <laughs> like, yeah, but it was it was like very very new. And I remember being you know I'm in the theater. I'm being hit by this. Is very new. And the soundtrack's like just awesome. And there's a funny little raccoon. Dude, and it was just like wow. It was like you know, it really hit me. It's like and this then, is what cinema could be in this it, day and age. Like this goofy, like you know, action, you know, mm-hmm. comedy. But they're taking it seriously because they're really like you know, really animating the characters very well. well and, and the you know, weirdest like, thing, and the weirdest thing to me, coming back to this all these years later, is specifically about the Marvel Cinematic Universe because so much has happened with the MCU since this came out. And so it was, I had kind of forgotten like the actual plot of this movie. Mm -hmm, And it was so weird to me going back and realizing that the MacGuffin in this movie 
is the Infinity Stones. Yeah, really. The the McGuffin. One of the, the quintessential like right. plot the, things right movie, here in this movie. Yeah. This movie is like this movie is like borderline like Futurama in tone, and to realize that the MacGuffin in this goofy ass movie is the Infinity Stones that basically lead to like you know the half of every being getting wiped out of existence. Like that's. Yeah. It was it was a weird thing because I'm like I'm I'm sure that like the studio heads and the producers and whoever people up top knew, you know what was gonna happen and that they had that in mind. But like the audience had no idea, or at least I had no yeah, idea. Yeah, like go- going into this, I remember seeing it for the first time and having that feel of like the legit feeling of like okay, Marvel's doing so good right now with the stuff that I do know. And going into this one, I'm like. This is so weird in left field. Like, I'm willing... Like, I remember having that feeling of, like, I'm trusting you right now. And then as the movie was starting, it just felt like it was doing such a good job of telling the story that I was just like, okay, we're really kicking it right now. Like, I'm having a good time. Like, it felt like I was... Like, in the the cheesiness of the... Like, the date, the immediate datedness of the sort of, like... Aren't we aware that we're in a superhero movie? I feel like that is not really here in this movie. It's it feels not. like the humor here is so much more earned and set up so much mm-hmm. like better. It and, d- it, and it's you know? the la- and I feel like I don't think it was the last one, but it feels like this was before watching MCU movies felt like you had to have a PhD in fucking Marvel. <laughs> like, right, right. like I I really have not enjoyed a whole lot of marvel movies over the last few years because it just it's like you watch one and you have to know it's like oh well you have to have seen all these other movies and you have to remember everything that happened and i don't have like when i watch a movie i often don't have like especially these big like superhero movies that have all this lore connected and have like the the comic book stuff I often don't remember like all these details about oh the Genovian Accords and, then, and can wait, I say this no one? wait can fucking can... Genovia that's from the princess that that's from the princess diaries isn't it what is yeah it? you're thinking of the uh, Sokovia Accords Sokovia but, but, <laughs> and can I just say this they're not exactly very consistent when it comes to movie to movie because they know they're handing it to different directors so like it's not even that satisfying to keep up with the stuff like perfect example being the way they treated um. Homegirl uh, Wanda going from WandaVision to the Doctor Strange into mm-hmm. the Mouth of Madness, whatever movie. You know, where it's just like, wait a minute, did you guys care about the character? Because it felt like they were doing something with the character here, and it felt like y'all didn't care about it. It's like, oh yeah, it was a different director, so they didn't care. It's like, wait, so you want me to watch it and everything, but you're not trying to keep it consistent? So, you know, so if you're not into it, you feel like, what am I missing? I, I, I feel like things are missing. And if you are into it, you're like, but you're not being consistent enough so that it's rewarding. Yeah. You know? So and that's it, been a big, like, issue, you know? It's also, and I will say, like, you know, this is from comic books, and a big part of, like, I really like, I like comics as a form. I like graphic novels as a form. But I can't get into, like, the big, like, Marvel and DC superhero comics yeah. because it's too much it to just, keep track of, it yeah. feels like you have to know what's going on. And, um... Yeah, I just, I will say, I love that even, like, this movie is not a bad offender, but even, but it was, so this was the weird thing, it was like, watching it in theaters when it first came out was like, you know, it was just fun, and now it's like, it's still fun, but it's like, oh, but I know what all is coming after this. Yeah, and you know, and this to me ends up feeling like this is the formula done right, and mm-hmm. everything I'm seeing afterwards is we're trying to do, we're trying to emulate how this kind of works in terms of like making, you know, because you know, I don't, I don't think they want to make bad bad movies, right? They're trying to make fun action, you know, things like that, and they're trying to figure out like what are the things that we can follow that if we plug in these coordinates, people are going to be satisfied enough mm-hmm. that they're going to, you know, think that we're they can keep coming back for more. Yeah. You know what I mean? And I will say this much though, like okay, so in terms of like the the these movies, um, I I was th- you said you hadn't seen that many because I was thinking about like which ones I really like, and I was realizing that like I actually like like the sequels of a lot of these a lot more than the originals yeah, they you know, I've like, actually I, I'm gonna say seen... I like Iron Man 3 more than I like Iron mm-hmm. Man 1 Iron Man 2 is like kind of mid like and, and like I like Iron Man 3 because of what it does with the villain and how it switches the form you know what I'm saying like I people complain the... about that but I actually really like yeah. that when I first saw it I saw the third I saw the 
I think it was the third. The the latest Thor Thor Love and Thunder. Yeah, yeah. I saw Thor Love and Thunder that came out. I don't think I still haven't seen the first Thor. I don't think I've seen the second Thor. The um, third Thor Ragnarok I thought was incredible. Like uh, maybe maybe this was like the, the, the fourth, fourth one is the latest one Love and Thunder that I don't think is and that I've great. Seen, but the third one like I think is really dope. Like yeah, I've watched a lot of the shows. I didn't watch like Agent of Shield, Agents of Shield, but I've seen like the newer Disney Plus like Ms. Marvel and WandaVision. I thought Ms. Marvel was fun. Um, yeah, Ms. Marvel was really fun. WandaVision was fun. I, um, yeah, it's like the, I, I will say I liked Captain America one, uh, the best just because I'm a sucker for a period piece. You know, uh, I, I think I ended up, I, you know, I, I feel you on that, but I think I remember I ended up liking the third one because it had like, uh, Winter Soldier and then Black Panther. And it was like, yeah. I feel like those movies really like did a good job of like, upping the I, ante I, when I, I think about it. I still haven't him, seen you know? Wakanda forever. I've seen... I mean, I, maybe we need to go back to him, you know, yeah. make these requests and maybe we'll have to eat our words, but... <laughs> yeah, but like, I liked, like, I liked the ones that really, like, I liked Wakanda, uh, like, uh, Black Panther. Mm-hmm. I liked, um, you know, Guardians of the Galaxy, the one, like, the ones that really were, like, doing something different and twisting it up. Yeah. But some of them just felt so samey to me and it was like, yeah. okay, here's Tony Stark and he's... Talking to Jarvis. He's invincible and, he's, and can do anything, and, and, and anyone who's going to be the bad guy is a mirror the, match who can do everything then, that he can do, so who even cares, you know? Yeah, <laughs> and then it's like, like the, I don't know. I, I did think, like, the stuff that was interesting to me was, I don't even remember what the title of the one was, but the one that that takes place after half of everybody has vanished. Uh, Ant-Man, the second Ant-Man movie, Is that I Ant-Man? Think it been. And yeah. it's like, I think it was Ant- I think it was Maybe Ant Man. It wasn't Ant Man and Wasp. I haven't seen Ant Man and Wasp. Maybe was... The, oh, was Spider Man Homecoming? No, I think wasn't this supposed to be like this one is taking place before that happened. So well, like... it's it's the one that like you see people having like you see. Um, I remember there's a scene of Black Widow making herself a really sad peanut butter sandwich, and it's clear that Scarlett Johansson like never makes peanut butter sandwiches. Um, <laughs> but but like seeing like the support groups and seeing people dealing with their mm. shit, like dealing with all the logistical and emotional ramifications of what happened. I think that is in game. Yeah. End game. Yeah. I think yeah. like that kind of thing. Those moments where it's just like people being human are yeah. the most interesting thing Seeing to the me. humanity under these so, costumes you know um, things so. but, but yeah so let's let's get to talking about yeah. guardians of the galaxy i feel like we've we've pontificated on marvel <laughs> long enough let's talk about this actual movie so, so yeah the movie starts off with uh, and i feel like it's a really good like origin story type movie mm-hmm. into the sky star lord right it starts with it, like it's very super like origin story where it's like here's this guy and it's all about like oh my god he didn't take his mom's hand right when she died super dramatic thing and how can this day get any worse and it's kidnapped by aliens it's just like jesus christ yeah. and like well anyway 20 years later like yeah. the traumatic moment after traumatic moment anyway yeah and then we get the like incredible come and get your love that uh, i yeah. i feel like that moment captures so well and can we just like real sidebar it's like <laughs> I think we all know now that Chris Pratt is a douchebag. Oh, yes, yes. But, you know, we can just say he's... I feel like, from what I know of him, he's a colossal douchebag, but he's not, like... He's, he's not actively he's, doing anything. He's, he's like, more like, if you talk to him, you'll hear his crappy beliefs, but he's not actively doing... Pushing like, it on people, so it's like, like well, a, what? And it's like, he's what not, do you do? He's not, like, a Harvey Weinstein-style right. monster that I know of, so it's like, you know, I'm not, like, oh, I can't... I'm like, And he's not, like, a J.K. Rowling, like, going act, on Twitter and, like, look at this. Going, yeah, you know, right. he just kind of, like, oh, I have my beliefs if you... Yeah, so it's, it's like, like, everyone has I'm not gonna beliefs, go see... Like, I'm probably not gonna go see another... Like, I'm probably not gonna be, like, ooh, Chris Pratt starring Let's see his one-man show. You know, but but it also doesn't mean, like, I can't look at Star-Lord without feeling sick. So, you know, I can set that aside. But I feel like that scene captures... It's like, you know that feeling when you're doing something and you got your tunes on and you're just kind of like uh, absolutely yeah I'm like so, the, you get so, that feeling where he's uh, like he's just going about his business but it's just in space yeah, you know yeah, the, <laughs> yeah. the slate the slate culture gab fest podcast has this thing called the summer strut mm. where um every year for the summer they like get a big list of songs that mostly i think readers submitted or all readers submitted or reader listeners submitted and they edit it down to a playlist that's like the strut songs of summer and they're the songs that you want to listen to when you're strutting down the street in the summer. And um, 
And I feel like this moment captures that feeling of like summer strut where you like, or even like you're cleaning your house and you're listening to music or just doing whatever, but you feel so fucking cool. Yeah, it was especially at that point where he's just like, he grabs that one this, creature and the, just starts yelling at that, it. Yeah, <laughs> when he picks song. up the lizard squirrel and, and he's like singing at its face. Like yeah, that was and so funny. something about like the little moment of like him doing that thing, but this really well animated looking creature that he's yelling at, but just for this little one-off moment. Like there's something that feels like respected while watching this movie that like you know this is a big dumb goofy movie but we're still actually making sure it looks really good you right know? Like, yeah and it, and it also sets up the world building very well it sets up the character really well like you know instantly who this guy is right right and and the, uh, so just a quick point out that the uh the song is you know come and get your love by this native american uh uh native american group and i always like it has a very specific feel to it it's this native american funk group and if you notice like it has that call and response the hey hey what's the matter with it? it's always like it's specifically calling back to like you know a cultural like aspect of like their music you yeah, know what it's, i mean it's fantastic every freaking song even the, like there's there's like one or two songs on the soundtrack that i don't like but mm. for the most part like this is the most bomb soundtrack we yeah. actually like had it as like car music for a long time it's, it's so it's per- quentin tarantino level yes. good like in the, terms when, of movie by soundtracks. the time it gets to when they're going to the really cool space bar and they're playing freak out in a moon age daydream i'm like yeah. dude of course this, we play this is. here this, <laughs> like it's this, so perfect this soundtrack <laughs> is 10 out of 10 tarantino's <laughs> <laughs> so so uh yeah he gets tailed by these guys who um you know are trying to get the orb uh play jiman hanzu i want to give that man his flowers there's some recent issues about him like talking about like yeah i kind of feel like i've been sidelined and don't get a lot of parts just because like i'm a dark-skinned actor and like mm. and it's like i remember having that feeling of like yeah doesn't it feel like he's a very unique looking guy and it feels like he's in a lot of stuff sideways but there's never the yeah, big he's, movie that he's, he's in he's definitely a that guy yeah he has such a unique look that it's just like wait this doesn't make sense that this guy's not in more stuff mm-hmm. you know because uh, he and he is so good that's the thing like he is so yeah like distinct. he was one of the better actors in this even with like a very minimal part and yeah, i and when he comes have, back later i remember feeling like oh my god yes <laughs> you know we actually get to see a little bit of him you know some more yeah yeah what were you gonna say yeah, I have I have complaints about some of the acting in this movie, but we'll get to that. <laughs> but yeah, he gets tailed by the guys. He very thrilling escape. Uh, like this is a good thing I like about this too. Like the action scenes in this movie are so good. Like even like beyond the pontificating about you know the meeting of movies, da, 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 da. like just when your eye is watching the action, there is so much to be appreciated to see the flow of action and mm-hmm. actually make sense of it. It's well choreographed. Yeah, because when you watch a bad movie with action and it just kind of feels like stuff is just moving and it doesn't actually feel like there's any weight or anything like that, you begin to really appreciate, like, a good action scene when you can, like, have that moment of, like, oh, I can actually follow it. I can feel the weight and the impact and where it's moving from here to here and the montage of the scenes, you know what I mean? Mm -hmm. So, like, yeah, I want to give it it that props just for, like, how well choreographed that uh, the the fight scenes are starting with this scene. Um, So he ends up getting caught. Um, they, they, They throw him on the ship. Uh, oh, yeah, wasn't there, there's this, uh, like, so there's a geiger, geyser at one point that, like, shoots up and, like, hits his ship, and there's, like, this kind of cool little interruption of the action sequence where it's, like, his face mm-hmm. is pressed up against the glass, you know, mm-hmm. and, um, and there's a lot of, like, cool slow motion Zack Snyder type shots that, it's, like, it's one of those things, again, where it's, like, I feel like, it's, like, he's doing all of those things that are, like, these are what a modern action movie looks like, but it's, like, but done so well where it doesn't feel, like, when you watch a Zack Snyder movie when the slowdowns happen, they don't feel earned they just feel cheap they just feel mm-hmm. like oh we're doing this again but with these it feels like a release where it's just like he's it's jumping into the ship it. and it's like oh and then right afterwards you see like a little a whole bunch of clicking of action that happens real quick so it's just like oh shit oh oh that was earned when it slowed yeah. down there you know what i mean yeah, yeah. um and so uh um yeah, gets into that scene, and then they have the little thing where it's like this girl comes up who's like, uh, there was a little bit of cheapness. I felt like whenever they just wanted to have like alien person, where it's just like here's a person, but they're like pink, <laughs> you know, where it's just like, and the girl just goes like, hey, babe, what's going on? And he's like, oh, uh, I didn't even know you were here, <laughs> you know, just to say, show off that he's the Playboy, you know. Yeah, Iron I don't know. Man, I, I, you know, I don't know. I kind of liked the. I kind of liked. Oh, the, he's a rogue. <laughs> the out. Well, I, I kind of liked the outlaw Ruby Lindo. Like I liked her. Like I. Felt like I felt like, but she, it she, felt like she just kind of like left. She had like two lines and didn't really do that much. You know, what I, I mean? guess he dropped her off somewhere. But yeah, no, like what I, happened? Because it 
seemed like she was like kind of starting into the next scene, and then she wasn't there. Like, so I thought it was like, oh, was it a one-off gag? But then she's kind of there for the next scene where yeah. uh, his dad calls Yondu, and then it feels like she's just not there anymore. Yeah, you know? I feel like, like yeah. they they probably could have like shown him dropping her off or something. But I liked her. I felt like she. It, I liked the combination of like she's clearly an alien, and also like she just felt so realistic and like weirdly 80s in a way oh, if yeah, that makes yeah, sense yeah, like she sure. somehow seemed like a human from the 80s <laughs> and i don't know I, I i liked i liked the the groupie I yeah. don't know. so now and this is what i also like so you know we kind of established all right here's this fun goofy movie and then like we cut to like the ronin scenes where it's like you know um you hear you know someone saying like you know uh uh, uh giving all this you know a- a- ancient uh, uh lore about like i obey the ancient laws of my people and i don't forgive those who took the life of my father and our father before him and you know you hear the the guy who's at his mercy saying oh our government signed a peace treaty you're not supposed to go against the law and he's like your people are a disease and i will cure it like mm-hmm. it's such the perfect like over the top you know space it. opera so, great. so quill brings in this orb that he w- was able to, uh, you know, snatch off of, snatch from the people. Yeah, he w- he's not in jail yet. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So uh, Quill brings in the orb to this, uh, the, what, the eyelash man? Because, it, it, like, doesn't it feel like it's like the top of his head looks like four, like, eyelashes that are, like, Yeah, really and he's got, I think, and he's got, like, very, like, sticky outy eyebrows. And yeah. Quill even says, nice eyebrows. Yeah, to him. yeah, yeah. <laughs> and so, uh, now, this, the broker. This, this is what feels a little sticky to me, okay? So, you know, th- there's always this sort of, like, okay, so this is where the action gets going. This is the catalyst for what happens. And there's always this sort of, like, oh, we're not telling you this information. And, you know, it's kind of kept quiet. And, like, I feel like it pays off in a lot of ways structurally in a good way at when I was paying attention. But there were, like, one or two things that I just had a question about. So Quill brings in the orb. He says, like, so what is this thing? And the guy says, it's my policy to not discuss with my clients, you know? And I was like, okay, so this guy has a deal with someone. It's like, but there's information that I won't reveal to you. Mm-hmm. But the assumption is... Like, well, no, 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 because, yeah, later we find out that it's the collector that he's Mm -hmm. doing the deal for, right? Like, that was the idea originally. I, well, I don't. Because the idea was that he, uh, Quill, uh, Quill was being hired by, uh. Yeah, now that you mention it, because it's like, Yeah, and then they wanted to go to him himself, because remember, he said, once he finds out that Ronan has something to do with him, and he's like, whoa, this has to do with Ronan? Uh, I don't want anything to do with this. And Quill's left there being like, well, wait a minute, like. What, what about the client? Right. What about the... And he's like, no, 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 screw you. Oh, right. So they find out and they go to him directly, right? Yeah, it yeah. is the collector. And yeah, because so, the collector was expecting him. Yeah, yeah. So, like, it, at first I did have the question of, like, no, wait a minute. What's going on here? If this guy is, like, you know, involved and he knows the details, what's going on? But it actually does make sense. This collector is just the guy who doesn't care about the fate of the universe. Mm-hmm. He's just trying to, yeah, get these things because he's rich and, you know, he wants fancy things. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? So, like, I actually thought that made sense. But I was just thinking in terms of, like, but wait a minute, you're not going to get your money now. <laughs> like, you know, I was just thinking of like, what what are you planning to do, right? Because don't you want your money, guy who mm-hmm. was planning on selling, you know? But I get it's one of those things like, okay, but when you look at the structure of the plot, like, you could not expect a Ronin to be involved in this. He could have just thought like, well, I'm just trading goods for goods and you're just some lowly, right, you know, exactly, trader who, yeah. who comes in and does the dirty work. You know what I'm saying? So like, I was actually thinking about that, like backwards and thinking like, okay, that actually does make sense. Like, he didn't think there was going to be any big trouble but then he hears that name. And he's like, whoa, this is a guy who wants to exterminate my people. Uh, I don't want to even be involved in this at all. Get out of here. You know what mm-hmm. I mean? So it's like, okay, I get that on an emotional level why the character would act well, that and way. Ronan, right? I... I'm sorry, I can't remember now. Was Ronan was the collector gonna give it to Ronan, or was Ronan just planning no, to like no. steal it on the yeah, way? Yeah, yeah. Or... Collector was just the collector it just to get wanted it. to collect it. right? Yeah, that was what that's was what originally. I, that's, that's what, what I, I was thought. thinking about. Okay, yeah, 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 yeah. So I was trying to figure out like, wait, because I was trying to think, what's the motivation of this shady character who doesn't want to reveal the context? But but then it made sense where I was like, oh well, that actually well, and, would make and sense. And the broker, like, I don't yeah. think he's being shady. It's just no, like he's a just like this is yeah, yeah, it's professional courtesy. Like you don't, you know, yeah, it's like never you mind. Yeah, yeah, do your job. Yeah. Um. So so uh so we have the part afterwards where you know the cowboy bebop moment was like ah you know didn't get our bounty you know like oh crap what do I do and um. Gamora's just kind of there, hanging outside. Yeah, so I want to, like... It seems like a bit of a... Like, I get it being a bit of a comic book moment, but it seems just, like, too much of a moment of convenience where it's just like, oh, okay, well, we just got to move it along, so she's there. So I mentioned I have a problem with some of the acting in this movie, and... Mm. Zoe Saldana. Oh. Like, I know. And, having but, a hard time acting through all well, that makeup. <laughs> yeah, I mean, here's, here's the thing. I don't want to blame her entirely, because, like, on the one hand, 
I feel like her acting is like really weird and stiff and unnatural. On the yeah, other hand, not fully into the character yet. Like well, she's not really being directed as well. I don't know. It just it feels like a lot of her line deliveries felt very awkward and like it she, feels like they haven't established her character. It, no, it's not yeah. even well. There was that's part of it, but literally just like on a line reading basis, like the uh. way she was saying lines are just like that's not how anybody would say that. Yeah, look, no, I, I felt in this term where it would be like I thought that I. It felt like she was a certain type of serious, no-nonsense character. And then mm. every now and then she would say a certain line that would feel like, that doesn't feel like your character would be on that temperament to say something like There's that. There's that, know? but I mean, I literally just feel like a lot of her speech sounded very unnatural. And mm. I don't know, they like... just didn't get a good take? Well, like, yeah, and like, I don't know. She just felt very one note. But then at the same time, it's like the character was kind of written one note. Yeah. And I feel like I get very very bored by this type of character and so this is where i don't blame her and i think a lot of it is the writing i get very bored by this type of character that you see a lot and i feel like it's getting better now especially when you're getting like more female writers Mm -hmm. but there's a sort of there's a certain type of badass female character written by a male screenwriter and I don't actually, she didn't take no mess, but doesn't actually wait, have an internal on. life, and she wait eventually falls for the main guy, right? Like, well, <laughs> like we're, we give her agency by making her kind of badass, but we all know she's gonna fall for him. Like that sort of deal. Like, um, I'm not. I mean, yeah, but I'm not even talking about the plot because, like, that's not. Hold on, I want to see. Like, wait a second. What, who is the screenwriter? Oh, Nicole. Okay, I don't. So there was a a female screenwriter on this, Nicole Perlman. So I don't want to say it was like only men writing but it's it's a pattern of it's not even about the plot of like oh then she falls for the male character whatever you can have romance it's specifically about the like she's badass and therefore that means she's like very one note and humorless and like just there to say mean angry things to the male character until Mm. she decides she likes him and it's just like there's just no I don't know it's, it doesn't feel like there's a lot of dimension feel, to there's her no, there's no and it feels it feels like there's no dimension and it feels like there's no humor to her which mm. is very disjar. it's like every other character and I guess she's kind of the straight man in the group well yeah but like, but like I said like I felt like there would be moments where they would try to do a humor moment but yeah, I just feel like that just doesn't feel like her character you know like where it feels like was that a punch up you know what I mean like, I don't know it's just weird it's like it, it's like you've got Quill is a doofus yeah, and, and then and arrogant, you know. Yeah, and then like Rocket and Groot are funny in their own way, and they have their dynamic. Yeah, yeah. And Drax is sort of un—I mean, unintentionally in the sense that he doesn't intend it, intentionally in that the screenwriters intended it. Drax has this unintentionally funny stuff with the way he's taking things literally. Yeah. Also, I have this quibble, and this is like I'm just bringing up all the like petty little random things that stick oh, in sure, my head about sure. Guardians of the Galaxy, but. Okay, so his whole thing is, like, he takes things literally. His people don't understand metaphor. Mm -hmm. And yet, at two points, he calls Gamora a witch and a whore. I specifically remember that. And it's like, like, okay, does he think that she makes magic? And does he think that she sells sex? And and there wasn't even, like, a line where, like, he could have misconstrued that. Like, you know what I'm saying? They didn't even set it up. It just kind of felt like, wait. He just just, kind of wanted to have that joke for the pop of, oh, shocking. It's like he's just saying that because he doesn't like her. And it's... It's like there's a difference between somebody who takes everything really literally and somebody who is just nasty and doesn't and have and a someone filter. Who isn't, yeah, isn't aware that people will take a certain thing a certain way if you say that thing. Right, and, like, I yeah, think, yeah. and I think generally Drax is not written that way, but those two moments like bugged me because it's like, Specifically no. with the female it's character, like, yeah. He, he literally, like, he would not call her a witch or a whore because he wouldn't have any reason to think she is a literal witch or a literal right, whore. Right. All the other characters are funny and Gamora just kind of feels like it almost is like yeah. girl character. Well, and it's like she is like the outsider because they start off all thinking she is the enemy and yeah, she yeah. works for Thanos and da da da. And everyone kind of hates her in the prison scene. But where yeah, it's just you're gonna die. It's just there's something about her that just feels really stiff. And here's the thing too: if you compare her to um, Nebula, yeah, I, I do feel now, like I like Nebula, Nebula shines more because Nebula could be like Nebula is 
angry the man. whole time. Oh, man. Nebula's angry the whole time. And also, yeah, totally the way... It. Nebula should have been the person the way she is, just to have that darker dynamic, yeah. you know? But also, here's the thing. So, like, the way she's angry the whole time and the way she is styled, like, the, her look... Oh, her is, look is cool. ...is very cool, but also very inhuman and very, like, alienating and alien because, like, she's got all these, like, robot parts. Yeah, she has all black... She has stuff. all black eyes. Like, she, you can't see her pupils right... And so, in a way, like, you would think she would feel much more alienated from the audience. However, I feel like Nebula, like, she's, like, got this very, like, her anger doesn't feel one note, and it feels very real. Yeah, like, there's one scene where, like, you feel that she's not only angry at Thanos, but angry at her sister. And this is, like, you get the multi-levels of, like hate that she has that, that gets communicated really like strongly in certain key points where you're like you know because there's one point where she's go- where Gamora's like hey you know like forget our dad you know like we we know he's crazy and it's like yeah you're both crazy he's screw yeah. that you know it's like, yeah, but oh, like oh, you're Karen, not her and back, it may you know? just be Karen Gillan being a better actress mm-hmm. but she just feels like realistic and emotionally truthful in a way that she feels like somebody who's actually angry. Yeah. Zoe Zoe Saldana's acting feels like somebody who's been told you're angry, sound angry, and her going, "Okay, this is my angry <laughs> voice." Like, and I, I'm not trying to like shit on her because I do think a lot of it also is the way the character is written. Yeah, I, I was just about to say I think uh, the other girl might just have better material. You I think. Know I mean? I th- well, like, yeah. I think it's a combination. I do think Karen Gillan's a better actress, but I also think the character is written better. Mm-hmm. Um, so yeah, I just it's it's frustrating because like you know I I don't want to dislike the one female character on the team, right, right. but it's all it but like with a combination of the acting and the writing and the directing and possibly even honestly yeah maybe the makeup maybe having like pounds and pounds of green makeup and I think doesn't she have some little head things and like yeah, maybe yeah. that was like throwing her off and making her face feel stiff and making it hard for her to be expressive mm, so emote, like yeah. you know so I don't like put this squarely on the actress's shoulders but I found Gamera really frustrating so so uh, going into the prison scene like I was you know trying to have the moment Gamora like, Gamora yeah, Gamora is that turtle monster ah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> but, but I find myself trying to be like okay what are the motivations of the characters why do they care about each other right like mm-hmm. so Gamora <clears throat> is about to get you know bodied by these prisoners who all hate her mm-hmm. and you know Chris Pratt's character clearly you know thinks she's attractive so he's like oh you know I'm gonna see what's mm-hmm. up Rocky's just kind of like where are you going and he just kind of follows and it's just like well, what's Rocky's motivation? Can I just say, I love, happening? I love Rocket. I love Rocket. I relate to as a weird looking little uh, dude. As a short king, <laughs> as, I'm just saying, as a as a weird looking little dude, <laughs> I I I really love and appreciate Rocket Your and the man. like and also Bradley Cooper. Give it up! Oh like, yeah, incredible man. voice acting. I like, love it so much. I just love that. Like Bradley Cooper is this like handsome leading man who can also be a weird little mutant raccoon right, so much personality i know every it's line. so great yeah, yeah. it's so great and so um he said so like yeah he's like oh you know quill where are you going and, and i was ha- i wrote specifically noted this was like what are the motivations of the characters it was like there's no implication of friendship so far right there's no nothing that rocky well and directly even has rocket rocket Oh, You're saying Rocky, Rocky Raccoon, right? Rocket. Rocky Raccoon's a Beatles song. His name is Rocket. Oh, uh, yeah. I thought it was the same thing. Oh, my God. <laughs> but, uh, Rocket? It's yeah, Rocket, Rocket Raccoon? Rocket. Oh, okay. So, yeah. But, yeah, I was trying to think of, like, wait, what's his motivation? Because, like, they basically, they all get captured when they're, like, causing a commotion, trying to, like, you know, get the orb from each other. They all get thrown in the prison. And Rocky's, like, uh, Rocket's, like, I can get out of this prison. Like, that's Well, not he wants be an in issue, on the right? money. Yes, and basically, yeah, how the scene unfolds is Drax comes up to kill, because he's about to kill her, and he says, like, no, you guys aren't going to take her down. Like, my family's been killed by this person's, you know, family. Right, Drax wants to kill kill Gamora. And, uh, and, uh, that's when Quill stops him and says, like, wait a minute, like, Ronan, you, you know Ronan is coming for her, so... Like, don't kill her now. Like, you know, wait for the person that you really want to get. You know what I'm saying? And you know she's he's coming to get her, so she's going to be the perfect bait. And so I was like, ooh, that's such a nice, like, dynamic setup, right? Where it's just like, I don't actually care about you, but I will tolerate you right. for, and then, you know. Yeah, and now that you mention it, I feel like that gets dropped pretty quickly and Drax and Gamora mm. start regarding each other just as, like, compatriots very well, quickly. Because the idea is that it's like, 
oh, because she reveals that, like, I have no allegiance to Ronin mm-hmm. or Thanos. Like, I'm actually trying to betray him right now. Mm-hmm. And so there's that kind of feel of, like, oh, well, I don't need to worry about you necessarily. You know what I'm saying? So yeah. that, that nebulous sort of, like, well, yeah, I, I guess care it, about he just right. believes her, so that... Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. And, um, and, and this is the part where he says, like, okay... Now that we know what the stakes are, Rocky wants it on the uh, Rocket wants it on the bounty, and he's the one who can get them out of out of the prison, right? Uh, Gamora knows where to sell the uh, the you know the rock, the stone, yeah, yeah, yeah Infinity Stone, and 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 then that's what I I'm would like. say. And so like these they, are the conditions founding their partnership. Up until you know? this point, they're just referring to it as the orb because they don't know what's inside. Right, right. It. Yeah. But like you know, their friendships are friendships of leverage. You know, friendships mm-hmm. of convenience. Well, and even right? like, like Rocky gets mad at them for like making fun of him and and tries to shoot mm-hmm. all of them and has to be talked down. Right. Yeah. Yeah. Later on, when he's like getting rip roaring drunk. Yeah. 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 I like how quickly they got to it. Like because yeah. it's like you know we've all seen a million times where they tell the plan and then the plan starts and then something goes wrong but the fact that just as he's telling the plan and explaining how important it yes. is that they get the battery last that Groot just goes over and gets it <laughs> that, that, in the, so in the background it's, <laughs> it's so, so funny it's yeah. such a good like alright here's the here's the action movie scene and then being undercut by the comedy in a brilliant way mm-hmm. like that's how you do that in a brilliant way that's not like contrived you know because like oh of course Groot's that character who's just gonna like okay I'm just gonna go do the thing you know yeah um and so and then that kicks things into action by nature of like I, that's what I like I like when when characters make mistakes but it makes sense for that character and so it's that thing of like crap we have to get into action now because we know that you're like this and this is what ends up happening yeah. you know instead of what it feels like a contrivance of like like uh, for right. example in the matrix where it's just like oh my god carrie carrie uh, has uh, w- w- trinity has been this you know efficient you know badass this whole time but oh no at the end i have to tell you my feelings and i have to take a really long time it's like what what are you what that's not you that hasn't been you this whole movie you know what i mean like so it's like if if there's a mistake that happens because the character is the way they are that's when it feels earned right when you're like oh no we should have known they were gonna be like this oh. but when it's just like oh god damn, that was just a contrivance that you threw in but and there's a later on scene where that feels like that kind of happens you remember the scene where um they go to the collector and it's like uh, they start off the scene kind of like with the collector being really rude to the servant girl and being mm-hmm. like you know to your duties you use your elbows mm-hmm. you know put some yeah, elbow grease into it blah, blah, blah. And then, like, in at the end of that scene, you know, they're being introduced to everything and da 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 They haven't seen that uh, introduction happen. Mm-hmm. They just are kind of walking in and just being like, oh, what do we do? What do we do? What's happening? Da, da, da. Mm-hmm. And then at the end of the scene, all of a sudden she just goes, I will no longer deal with your, like, evil blah, 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 blah. And she puts her hand on the stone and explodes the whole, mm-hmm. like, you know, half the building. And it's one of those things where it's just like, okay, this, like, action beat didn't happen because of anything that was involving the crew or anything that they would have had any control over. You know what I'm saying? Like, they had no agency in that scene. Mm -hmm. It was just kind of like, they were going about a scene and, oh, snap, something that had nothing to do with them. Like, you know what I'm saying? Because at the end, he, like, after the explosion happens, like, Chris Pratt gets up and he goes, what the fuck? And it's just kind of like... Yeah, they would have had no reason to know why that was happening. They didn't know the dynamics of, like, you know, the servant girl and his, you know, the collector. I mean, I I don't think there's anything wrong with something going wrong that is outside of their control. Sure, it just felt so, like, how are, like, a lot of times in action movies, it's like, how are we going to end the scene? Uh Uh-oh, the thing, this thing that happened that you weren't expecting, but it's usually something that was based on what was happening in the plot so far around it. But this just kind of felt like a, huh? Oh. I mean, okay, I guess. I don't like, know. You I know? mean, I think them having a balance, because most of the stuff that goes wrong is because of one of them doing something wrong. Yeah. And, and like, it was for like, the purpose of showing how, like, powerful that stone is, right? That was right. the purpose of like, the scene. Like, Drax, like, you know, most of the stuff goes wrong because of, like, you know, Groot getting the battery too soon, mm-hmm. Drax calling Ronan, <laughs> you know, that, oh, right, that, right. that kind of stuff, like... Most of it does, and, and that's another Star Lord going like, back to get his music, you know what right. I mean? Like, they were supposed and, to leave, and then they literally can't because he and, lies and, and switches of, the orb, and, yeah. Right, and all of those things are very, um, and all of those things are very, like, character driven. Like, Drax is so bent on revenge that he's just gonna call Ronan to come there so he can kill right, him, right? Like, and and you know, Peter being attached to his music. Um, and, and I think it's earned for there to be one or two things that are just like, oh shit, this happened because of something else. I get you. I, I guess it's like when I, when I think about it in terms of like, when I think about it in terms of like watching it as a movie for the first time, oh, it's the thrill of, oh, oh you don't know what to expect. But then when I'm watching it the second time and thinking about it in terms of a writer, like it feels like kind of like, 
oh, and then I needed to see Dan, so I kind of just wrote this little, well, you know, what I, that's what it kind of feels like. I mean, it's like, uh. maybe, but I guess, like, you know, I don't think it's required for, like, Sure, not everything needs everything, to be yeah, everything a, a to be Hitchcock movie. Yeah, well, sure. <laughs> no, what I was going to say is I don't think it's required for everything that goes wrong to be one of the main character's faults because, like, mm. in real life, sometimes things goes wrong because right, sure, you fucked sure. up and sometimes... And and I think having a mix of those things in a story... I guess it's just, is, like, I just wish the characters would have at least seen it. The point of view is very, you know, is very clearly with, with Star-Lord, and it does feel like a bit of a cheat to get away from his point of view. And it's weird because it's like... It would have been very easy for them to walk in. They walk in on the scene, see that awkward moment, and kind of like, oh. Right. (laughs) It would have been very easy for them, for us to still stick with Star Lord's point of view. And yeah, and see him seeing the guy mistreat. Because this guy clearly, like, he's a douchebag. He would easily mistreat his slave in front of people. Like, this Benicio del Toro, is that who was Was that Benicio del Toro? It it looked like him because he has such a specific character actor look, but it's like, it's not a, it's not one of the, you know, later, you know how like later on Marvel movies when there's the, we've got to go to see this guy. That is Benicio del Toro. Yeah! Apparently he was also played by Tom Kenny in something. What? Uh, SpongeBob of Blessed Memory. Um, that's but weird. yeah, he's he's incredible. Like he's so incredible. He is one of those cameos in the movie where it doesn't feel like, "Hey guys, it's Bill Murray." Like it really felt like it was like, "Oh, this feels like this is naturally part of you know the scene." Because of course there would be this collector who just wants to get this. Yeah. Also, crap, apparently right? this is like a character that's been. Like, oh, I'm a, sure. I mean, yeah. I just I don't know why it ever surprises me, but like he seems to like random and yet specific to this plot. (laughs) And yet this is a character that has been around since 1978. Mm. And I love this, the little part where it's like star Lord, you know, presents the orb but it's that fake out you know it, you hear the music kind of starting up a little bit where it's like behold no wait McGuffin. i'm sorry 1966 the the collector's uh. been around in comics since 1966 that's crazy okay sorry, but yeah like, i love the little like behold the MacGuffin music that kind of happens yeah. for a second but then he drops it it's like oh fuck <laughs> yeah. um but yeah so this the st- so the half the place blows up but the stone is still there so i guess everything's fine so i guess she just really wanted to die and was hoping that it would kill yeah i think well i think i don't think she was even suicidal i think she was desperate and or not very smart and didn't and just thought oh just this lashing out yeah. i think she was just like oh this is a powerful weapon i can get this and kill this guy who's been enslaving me yeah, yeah. um um so they need now okay so what what needs to happen here? They they say like let's deliver it to the Nova Corps, the good guy planet. But what necessarily are they going to do with this stone I, I that guess... anyone else isn't going to do? Because the idea is that they said, well, let's sell it. Like we either give it to Thanos, but we, no, we don't want to do that. Or we could sell it to the highest bidder. And, but like, oh, that would be bad too. It's like, well, let's you know give it I, to the Nova Corps people think... and do the right thing. But it's like, well, couldn't we also well, sell it to them? I, mean, I like... <laughs> think the idea that the well, I I think the idea is that the Nova Corps would, um, the Nova Corps A is not going to pay a bunch of space out. Oh yeah, the idea is that you will be anything. doing the right thing for good for good of uh, the people. Right, and, and yeah. it would probably just try to arrest them if they tried to sell right, it. Right, right. Um, but also that the Nova Corps would like guard it and prevent it from falling into the wrong hands or getting used. Yeah, yeah. And and if you just sell it to some other collector, it's possible that yeah it could be stolen. Somebody, again, yeah, because right. the guy lives on, you know, a planet with a uh, side note, I don't know, I'm sorry, this is like a mm. disturbing thought, but like they were like oh, this mining town, planet, space station, whatever it is, and there's no laws on here, and anybody can mm. do whatever. And it's like, you know there's so much fucking kitty diddling going oh, on. Oh, no. <laughs> you just know. You know, it's the kids like, in I'm the so, mines like, and the kids in, yeah. That's the thing. When anybody's all like, oh, this badass outlaw space. like It's like the way people talk about the dark web and like, oh, the dark web where everything goes. And like, you know, and everybody, like, because normal people who don't want to molest children just think like, oh, yeah. Yeah, drugs and kinky sex and whatever. Mm. And it's like, no, it's it's child porn. That's that's yeah. what it's there for. It's child porn and drugs, but but child porn. And uh, I, I'm just anyway. Is... I'm sorry. I don't know why I had to share that. Porn but... dystopia. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um, 
Because it's like, oh yeah, that would be what it would just be, right? Someone just wanting to get the most, like, oh man. And, and, <laughs> and you're right, also, child miners in the, in yeah. the mines, yeah. Gamora's sister kind of, like, leaves, ends up screwing her over in a way that leaves her out in space. Yeah, she blows up her little mini ship in a way that leaves her out in space. And so, uh... Star-Lord and uh, uh, Rocket are kind of, like, in their little mini-ships, and they're like, all right, well, we don't have time, let's go. And, like, you know, Star-Lord has that moment where he's like, oh, oh, I don't want to just leave her. This feels wrong. This feels messed well, up. Because specifically, so, and I think we mentioned, like, Gamora has all these vague, sur they talk about surgical enhancements and stuff and how she was made into a weapon. She looks, I mean, I don't know what people of her species normally look like, but she looks normal for an alien. Like, yeah, I, she I thought it was the blue, the blue sister that has all yeah, the well, modifications. No, because they, the idea is she was, she wasn't good enough, so she needed modifications. Well, no, they, the they, no, was, I think it's that they right. both do because they specifically say Gamora has surgical modifications oh, okay. and that she could survive in space for longer than a normal person could because oh, of those. Right, right. But it's, I think that's also why Thanos is like her favorite because, like, you know, Nebula looks all fucked up, whereas Gamora, like, I guess her modifications are all internal and she looks normal, mm -hmm. but she's, like, a weapon, and I Or it was like she didn't need as many because she well, was Well, I think, you know? I mean, she she seems just as resentful as... No, but I thought that was what the... I thought that was the running resentment that is like, you were always the better sister, you could always do this, and, like, that was what the... Jane maybe, or the maybe just that the... Yeah, I mean, it's all, it's all pretty That's what vague. I thought the dynamic was. Yeah, it's, but, um, it's vague. But anyway, so, yeah, so Gamora's, like, floating in space, and, yeah, and, and Quill, like, uses his helmet nose oxygen thingy to... Yeah, and calls Yondu, his dad, to basically say, like, oh. hey, come get us. Because he's basically... Like betting on that they'll come in yeah, time. Yeah, we haven't in order actually to, yeah, like talked up. about Yondu. Yeah, at all. he's a great character, but he kind of doesn't like you know. So we should go back. So Yondu yeah. is the alien who abducted Quill slash his adoptive father. Right, who, right. I feel like we get we're definitely going to get into it more in the second movie. Cause yeah, because Yondu, Yondu's a lot more way more explored. But so Yondu, um, early on. Uh, you know, we find out that's the alien who abducted him. The, the southern him. alien. And he loves and he loves telling people, he, he loves telling Quill, he's like, you know, they, they wanted to eat you, but I wouldn't let them. Yeah. And holding that over his and head. he's got gold teeth. And, and yeah, he's he's fantastic. Yeah. And, um, and that little and the, the cool, uh, Quill thing that he has, he has that runs around. He has the coolest sci-fi yeah, weapon. Where he just his, whistles. His, his arrow that responds to his whistling oh, and is the coolest thing. Anyway. And it's one of those things where it's like, as soon as he like, he'll just like, do a little whistle, and the thing goes around, and it's one of those you can totally believe that people would be like, "What? What's happening? What? what what's going on?" You know yeah, what I mean? Yeah. So it's like it makes sense where he's like, "Oh, he looks like he's outnumbered." Oh, but he can just do that really quick. Yeah, and, it's no big deal. and it does. Yeah. It's just like, oh, that's great. So, so Yondu, um, early on, like, was supposed to be involved in the orb transaction, and Quill decided right. to just do it out from under him. Yeah, that, and, so that's why he's, been, he's been trying to and find so, him. Yeah, and yeah. he's been trying to find him, and is saying he's going to kill him. So Quill calls Yondu, who he knows is saying he's right. going to kill him. So so here's a selfish character Gamora. who's been like kind of, oh, I need to get my music because it's what I want. And then him having this moment of like, I'm willing to risk my life to like not only my life almost dying, but mm -hmm. also like with this person I've been trying to get away from this whole time. So it's kind of like, a, oh, here's this breakthrough yeah. of a character. So they moment, get picked you know? up on the ship and then Rocket and Groot and Drax come in trying to rescue them by threatening Yondu, but Yondu and Quill. <laughs> have, I love that little fake out moment where they're like, like we're going to destroy you all. It's like, what are you guys? It's cool. <laughs> yeah, because they've already made up because, you know, again, yeah. Yondu is Quill's adoptive father. Like he's not actually going to kill him. And but, but there's that real sort of, like you know sort of like a lot of anger and bite underneath you know their interactions but it's that sort of thing where it's like because they know each other oh they know ultimately they won't do it but you can still feel a very like abusive sort of like you know mm -hmm. dynamic in it you know i love I mean? when at some point in the movie peter is like will you stop holding it over my head that you wouldn't <laughs> let people eat me that's just like baseline <laughs> yeah right like you're not supposed to let anyone eat your kid <laughs> yeah. um they tell him the plan that where they're gonna like you know let the nova Corps people know ahead of time what's gonna happen and we're sending them this message and i, I love uh, uh, uh who was his name william c Riley. Has a, a great John moment. C. Riley. Yeah, John C. Riley, excuse me. Yeah, uh, the Dewey John Cox C. Story, I yeah. love, I love, like John C. Riley 
I he's love such a that great he character just, he's such a great character actor, and he's you know I love that he just has this like weird little rant. It's almost a cameo because it's the kind of thing that could have been played by an absolute nobody. Yeah, yeah. But it's John C. Riley, and he gets just enough good lines, like especially against like Star Lord and Jim. To make it just, worth yeah, it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And especially the part where was it Glenn Close that he was talking to? Who was that? One? Yes, Glenn. That was Glenn. Close. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So uh, she's saying like you know it's like well, should we trust the message that they're sending? And he's saying like uh, it's like the message that he's sending is something about like I'm uh, I know I could be an asshole but I'm not oh, 100% said, a dick and it's yeah. like can we trust this message it's like well I don't think anyone's 100% a dick ma'am <laughs> do, do we did we say what the specific thing like basically they're like they're trying to talk the the what are they the Novans what are the they Nova the Nova people yeah the, the Nova planet because the, they said it's the Nova Corps what is it called the, the I want, Xandar right Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. Because those are the people that are trying to. But yeah, they're yeah, they're yeah. trying to talk that planet into that that Ronan wants to destroy for his. We haven't really talked about Ronan a whole lot actually, but he's basically a the you know he views his people as you know there was a peace accord, but he views them as still being oppressed and and. And being, it's one of those like I follow the ancient ways, and our ancient ways don't believe in you know treaties and all of this new stuff. So. And it's, yeah. I, it's weird. I have like okay. I gotta pause and time out here because like I had weird thoughts about, I, I like weird feelings about the whole dynamic with Ronan. Mm. It's like it almost feels like, and, and w- this was 2014. So yeah. like, there's a lot of conversations that have happened since then that haven't happened yet. And I feel like if that if that had been a plot point, even a few years later. Maybe, like, there would have been more conversations about this, but it does feel a little bit weird to me that it's like, okay, so these oppressed, colonized, like, so he's, yeah, he's a terrorist and he's going around mm. killing people, but he's a represent, I mean, he's a lot like Killmonger in a way. It's like, okay, like there have like, been these warring factions, and they, but one side's trying to make a peace accord, and he's saying, F that. Well, but, that what because, that well right? because I don't. From what I gathered, Ronan's people, and I can't remember the name of them, but Ronan's people and the Xandarians aren't, like, equal warring factions. It seemed that the Xandarians are this, like, powerful empire, Uh, or if not an empire, at least, like, a very powerful state that came in. Ronan doesn't have a... An army, what? Well, well, he does actually. Because I mean, he's up, got people, but yeah, like, yeah. but but it, it felt very much to me like like Ronan's people are genuinely like we're oppressed, and that the peace treaty was oh, kind no, of is like this another wizard situation. <laughs> I feel well. I think where it's I, like I, they, we think that the bad guys are bad because they look bad and ugly. But wait, what? What do they want now? They want to, li- you know what I'm saying? Like, yeah, it just. But although, but the. It's specifically about his motivation, right? Because that's what I try to look at first specifically. The idea is that, like, he's not just someone who wants, you know, his land or whatever. He's someone who's like, yeah, no, we will destroy your people. Yeah, I mean, you are a disease Ronan, and we'll cure you. Ronan is you absolutely know. a bad guy. Genocidal, you know? yeah. Yeah, he's a genocidal bad guy. I'm not defending Ronan here. This is not a, this is not a hashtag <laughs> Ronan was right, actually. Um, no, but it's... It, but I feel like more of that conversation was starting to happen around the time of the Avengers. Yeah, and it, like, just, yeah, it just uh, felt a little uh, bit... I mean, uh, the Thanos movie. Yeah, yeah, it just felt a little bit weird that, that like... The, it was just kind of put in as flippant dialogue a little bit, kind of. Yeah, like, and it's like, wait, wait, what, what was the... Like, are we supposed <laughs> to feel bad for the Xandarians when they seem to be occupying a planet and they seem to have stamped out the blue people? Mm. I don't know. Oh, no. Um, <laughs> So, because wait a minute! Oh no! Now if we're gonna pull back the layers. It's it's it, we could look at it as the Zandarians are these people that have basically almost destroyed these like these like small yeah. blue, group of blue people that are basically almost done anyway, right? And it's like, well, here's our peace accords. Now we'll do peace accords. Now that you're almost yeah. destroyed, now we'll do peace accords. And he's saying, "F that!" Like I don't, I'm, I won't take so, your. Oh no! You feel like this movie? Yeah. Sorry. I'm sorry. I needed. I needed to. I needed to do that sidebar, and I'm not. Uh, 
saying like here's the thing it's all vague enough and it's all about perspective well, well here's the thing it's all very a lot of this is vague there's a lot of references in this movie that don't get explored so I don't actually know if that's the situation and I'm not sitting here saying like yes like Ronan's people are, are were oppressed and were stamped out and the Xandarians are actually genocidal I'm not saying that I'm saying I don't know what the situation is and it gave me pause that's and, all and I'm saying, saying. Like, wait, uh, so and Thanos is the of the same race of Ronan, right? No, They're, Thanos is a fucking okay. Yeah, so Thanos, that's what I'm Thanos so, has nothing to do with Ronan. He's Thanos, just using him. It's just a sort of like right. Ronan is get me the stone Ronan, and I'll give you whatever. Yeah, but like, then Ronan goes like, wait, I can use this stone for myself. Ronan is Roman right? is a regular humanoid being, and he's just a terrorist. He's just like Osama bin Laden, in right. That, right? He's like he's not magical or super powered. He's just a terrorist. Um, Thanos is a titan. Thanos, like, goes around destroying planets. And right. I think I got confused because when uh, the blue woman works with Ronan, my brain was kind of having a look. Like, wait, are they the, are they related? Because I'm like, two blue people. <laughs> I think my brain just I don't know. Nebula might actually. Nebula, yeah, yeah. Nebula might be. I'm not sure because. The, oh, yeah, because it's not directly his daughter. Yeah, he, he adopted yeah, her. Well, yeah, well, that's yeah, the yeah. thing. is like neither Nebula nor... Gamora is Thanos' mm-hmm. daughter. He he killed their families and kidnapped them and then refers to them yeah. as his daughter. Which is like so like wow. It's so that's creepy. Like, that's a creepy thing to do, yeah, man. That is a really creepy that's thing not to how do. you adopt that's, children, yeah, man. It's not like, oh man, after this war torn country, I'm going to come in and try to do my best. It's after I destroyed this country <laughs> and then I'll take one of you. It's like, how are you so sure they're not going to kill you? Like you really well, gotta have some fucking balls. I mean you really gotta I mean have he is he is balls. a titan. <laughs> So, yeah, I know, but, but it's yeah. like, that's just got to be brazen. Like, I'm so sure that you're not going to do anything to me that I'm going to. It's like, damn, dude, can you at least get someone that you raise to indoctrinate into you? Not someone that you pl- pluck from someone else. Yeah, it's like they were, they were both clearly old enough to remember what happened. <laughs> that's the thing, yeah. It's like, what are the what, what were you expecting? <laughs> like, uh, we can get over the, the Let the past be the past. But anyway, so we got to talk about the ending. And yeah. this is the climax moment that... I could have swore in the theaters I remember not enjoying, where it was like, okay, so, you know, you see Ronan about to do the epic, you know, villain, villain does pretentious speech, but, oh, then it's interrupted by the irreverent character, and it's like, I remember having that moment of, like, thinking that I liked it, but I felt like there was something about the timing of it that felt like maybe it was just going on in an awkward way, because it's like, it's that one thing where it's like, Oh, he's about to do the thing, and he could just do it right now. He could, he could just do it, but oh, he got stopped because well. And I remember originally feeling like, what would he really be stopped? Would he really? But then, as I actually watched it again this time, I had that moment of like, well, actually, like, yeah, yeah Star Lord is doing this thing to this guy would be really confusing. Why are you dancing in front of yeah, me? I really don't understand. I thought I won. What's happening? Like, it's yeah. very emotionally truthful too, because also like Ronan is Ronan is not like doing this out of practicality he's doing this for emotional reasons he's doing this out of his own irrational emotional needs and so for him like doing this like it has to be a moment that is emotionally satisfying right he's like a serial killer in that way it's like he's not just doing something for like money or whatever he's doing it releases serotonin in his brain you know right and it's like you know if you if you you know kind of like if I'm, I don't want to use the term blue balled twice in one podcast, <laughs> but like if you kind of blue ball him like that, it's like he's right about to get the, the thing and it's going to be so satisfying. And then, and all of you will quake in fear. It's that and, kind of thing. It's right. like, wait, you're not quaking. What's and happening? And then somebody comes in dancing. It's like, it is ruining the moment for him. Yeah. Yeah. What I did like was right after that, where, cause I, there is the thing where it's just like, wait a minute. Like, how is this not automatically killing you in the exact same way that it killed the other person? Now, then, again, we have the thing of, like, And then we get like, the foreshadowing about half, his yeah, dad. Yeah, I, lo- I, do, I did like yes. that, well, you're half human and half something. Yes, I did like that. And I remember, actually, originally going into it feeling like, wait, I know we get it explained in the sequel, but aren't they just doing a cheap build-up? But then they actually do give you a little bit of, like, well, well there seems to the, be some info here. And at the very yeah, so beginning... they do actually give some foreshadowing. The other thing, too, is, like, at the very beginning, his mother, who's dying of cancer, it seems like, says that his father 
was an angel made of pure light. And you're thinking, like, you know, in the context, is like, oh, well. Right, he's a sweet it's guy. Like, yeah. Well, I mean, I was thinking, okay, he's probably an alien, but her thinking that, like, he's a he's an angel made of light is probably just her, her cancer brain. Her understanding, yeah. Or, like, or just, like, her cancer brain. Like, her, oh. her, you know, being so sick and dying that she's, like, not, you know, not, a, yeah, not, right not clear. It's like, it. oh, he's probably just a regular alien. And finding out, no, he's some kind of, like, really unusual super being. Right ties back to that right from right the right and i actually really did like how after he's holding it like because what i like about it is that it still does give you gravity and weight like as he's holding it it doesn't feel like he's just got it right it does you do see him clearly deteriorating in it affecting right because he is half and human then, yeah and then you see the other people grab on to him that's what i really like seeing right the, the like, team the team is actually necessary and it's not just yeah he's the real important guy and then these other people are around because they're funny it's yeah. like no the team's actually necessary for directly everything. important for how this action scene like pays off you know mm -hmm. like we and i do like that like here's this all-encompassing power and one like soul can't take it but maybe other souls can like yeah. if more than people one person can work together on like controlling this thing maybe we could all do it like i like that as a message that's being delivered through the 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 medium of the action of how it's unfolding you know like how it's telling the story of like if we work together we can all have the power and then seeing him and unleash it un unleash it in his hand and rodent being a story is like oh it's a beautiful like pop moment you know and then afterwards like so that's the the action climax but then there's the emotional climax at the end and i remember like it getting me really in theaters too and then having it really kind of get me at the end as mm -hmm. well whereas like you know um rocket raccoon who's uh, up to this point been this person who's like you know really like get away from me oh like, yeah we, for we totally forgot to mention Groot sacrificing himself. Oh yeah, we are Groot. <laughs> I know. Yeah, Groot, Groot does a tree thing to protect everybody and gets blown up. But then at the end, we see that. Well, I I think it was the was it the a post credit sequence? Is, yeah, yeah. That that the little baby Groot coming up in the pot yeah, is dancing yeah, around yeah. and. Um. But uh, what was I saying? Oh yeah, so Rocket Raccoon. You know, up to this whole movie, he's been the kind of. The, the most bristly one who's just like, no, I'm not messing with anybody. No, I'm just doing my thing and forget about everyone. Da, da, da. I don't want to help people. And at the end, you have this moment where, like, Drax is sitting down, like, after all of the action. Oh, Drax pets him on yeah. the head. And you have that moment where, like, Rocket, like, bristles for a second. And then you see him, like, relax and allow, you know, a friend to comfort him. You know, and it's like, I oh. just, I, it was sweet, but also just the fact that he was petting him on the head like yeah. a cat. <laughs> but, yeah, thank you so much for listening. This has been the Review New Podcast. Uh, until next time, folks, I'm DJ. I'm Evan. And... I'm hooked on a feeling I'm high on believing And I don't want copyright issues for this one So I'm singing it all the way through Because it's a pretty famous song So I don't want to use the sample for this one So we're just singing it Ooga chaka ooga 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 chaka ooga ooga